John, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Imperial. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I get the opportunity to talk to a man who has he, done so much in the wrestling business right now. And, and, and he's doing so many great things as well right here, right now. And I'm so excited to talk to the one and only NJ PW strong open weight champion. <laughs> it's the one. It's the only. It's the incomparable, Mr. Fred Rosser. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. I always say, don't die with a story, and you tell it. And my my story in wrestling, uh, my personal life, my professional life, really had a galvanic effect on the wrestling and entertainment world for the better. So. Um, we all have a story. There's 7 billion plus people on this planet. So anytime I can get an opportunity to share my story with the masses, I'm going to do it, you know, especially those that support me, my whole block the hate movement. So I always say none of us are as strong as all of us. So thank you again for having me on. Absolutely. And that's such a great thing that you just said, you know, uh, as far as like a, a story disappearing uh it, it, if it's not if it doesn't get told so uh that's uh, so uh poignant i guess you could say uh, uh fred uh usually the first question on every show that i have here every interview i have is uh, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling uh, before you got into the business um i always say i've been a fan since i since i came out of my mom's womb november 2nd 1983 i'll be 39 so still rocking and rolling in this crazy wrestling industry, but it was always something I wanted to do as a kid. And I really pursued it with laser-like focus. Uh, there was no plan B for me. It was WWF and my high school yearbook, the last sentence said WWF, here I come. So uh, I was going to make it and I did. Uh, the journey took a long, long time for me, I started wrestling September 11th, 2002, one year after 9-11. And then from 2002 to 2009, I just grinded and grinded it on the independence uh, until I ultimately got signed May 4th, 2009 with WWE um, out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world. I really earned my contract and I beat them all out. The same day I got signed, it's funny, uh, AJ Lee, CM Punk's uh, wife, had got signed. So it was a pre pretty cool moment. But being a WWF wrestler was something I've always wanted to uh, do. And I studied tapes of the old school stuff. Um, I played football and I did the amateur wrestling just to stay off the streets. But my love was professional wrestling and my dad was a big fan 
So he's the one that got me into it. And he's still my biggest, I call him my biggest hater. My mom is my biggest fan. My dad is my biggest hater because he's always still to this day with text messages. Why not AEW? Why not Impact? Well, dad, I've tried. I've told him the story many times and I've said it in interviews many times. I've tried AEW not once, but twice. Uh, but this is when they first started. So um, anything can happen in wrestling. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's how I do interviews. Sometimes I can kind of go off track and you got to get me back on track. So um, that's why I would say don't die with the story and you tell it. And when I do interviews, I can I can prepare for them and write them down. But I really work better by speaking from the heart. So um, and it's funny if I wasn't a a wrestler I did have a plan B. My plan B was going to be a firefighter uh, in my hometown. So obviously getting signed, the firefighter uh, position was out of the question. So yeah, that's uh, that's my roller coaster of a, uh, a journey into wrestling and 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 loving wrestling. Of course, of course. And, you know, you were bit by the bug. Uh, at- <laughs> A very young age, as you've you've, you've mentioned, uh, you did some mm-hmm. backyard wrestling in your teens, as you mentioned. You did do football, uh, and, and you mentioned that you know your father was a big fan of professional wrestling. So was the whole family quite supportive of you following the stream to to get into professional wrestling? Well, when I joined the wrestling school, not too far from where I lived, uh, probably close to forty minutes away in West Patterson, New Jersey. I grew up Union Township, New Jersey. Uh, so the school was uh, uh, not too far, but not too close. And uh, I didn't tell my parents until a year into my training. And I used scholarship money from college, $2,000 to pay for the wrestling school up front because uh, I didn't want any installment plans. I didn't want any of that stuff. I wanted to pay up front and not have that installment payments over my head because I was serious about this. I didn't tell my parents a year into my training and my mom said, you have six months to make it or you need to give it up. And 2002 to 2009, I didn't do that. I didn't give up. Uh, I was told no over 40 times by WWE until I got the one yes, May 4th, like I said earlier, 2009. Um, Yeah, my life changed for the better. Right, cool. Yeah, because that, that is quite the journey. And and uh, through my research, I did find a few things that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I don't know if this is the first uh, opportunity that you had to work uh, for the WWE, but it said 22nd February 2005, you teamed with Mike Krull, uh to take mm-hmm. on Charlie Haas and Harko Holly on Velocity. I just want to know um, if this was the first experience there and how did it come about? Uh, my first experience with WWE actually being backstage, I was actually a detective. Uh, I was the, I was a detective for uh, for the Bashams and the Bashams and Eddie Guerrero were uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo were feuding together. And my first time backstage WWE, uh, one of the writers came up to me and asked me, "Could I play a detective?" And I said, "Sure, absolutely." And I was a nervous wreck because again. Uh, in the early 2000s, I wasn't comfortable with myself. So still closeted, still not myself. So, but when they asked me if I could be a detective, I said, absolutely. Um, 
there's a saying that I always use that if you hang outside the barbershop long enough, pretty soon you'll get a haircut. And same thing with WWE. If you're an extra long enough, pretty soon you'll get an opportunity. And I did. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I'm, I hate to be like an old timer and say back in my day, but yeah, literally back in my day when I was trying out over 40 times with WWE, uh, there were times when I was an extra, uh, wrestling again, like I said, being a detective, uh, it was all great experiences because I got my face in front of people in WWE and, it was actually Shad Gaspar from Crime Time, God rest his soul, um, who was very open. Anytime he saw me backstage, he would always bring me into the intimidating locker room and, you know, would always say, man, look at this guy. Because at the time I had an afro, I resembled Ron Simmons. So um, all, all the boys in the locker room would say that I, I look like Ron Simmons' son. So uh, Shad was one of the guys that... Uh, got me really familiar with um you know all of the boys with wwe at the time so yeah uh many times my journey with wwe uh, happened in the northeast new jersey new york the boston area anytime they were having shows there i was invited down so i didn't hesitate and, you know, when I was doing all this, I was running an ice cream store. I was a manager. So I had to do what I had to do to um, make tryouts and uh, make sure I was seen by WWE. So I had to make sacrifices. So working at an ice cream store, no shame in my game because I was able to fulfill my dreams uh, of being a superstar. I don't know if they have any Dairy Queens out where you are, but I was running a Dairy Queen. Right. Cool. Well, you got to do what you got to do to get by, of course, uh, especially when you're chasing a dream. And uh, as you've mentioned, you knocked back several, I mean, did you say 40 times or something like that? Or, uh, yes. or had an opportunity that many times still hadn't been signed. Uh, for anyone out there who is trying to chase a dream and has been knocked back just as many times, you know, do you have any advice for them or anything that you would say that you did uh, in to, to deal with, you know, being knocked back like that? Um, I always say you've got to be committed and without commitment, you'll never start, but most importantly, without consistency, you'll never finish. So not only do you have to be committed, but you've got to be consistent with your journey. If you're not consistent, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, there are people that do this as a hobby and there are people that do this as a career. Um, the people that do it as a hobby, they would train maybe once a week, once every other week. Like I said, back in my day training. Uh, but if you wanted to make a career out of this, you've got to do it three, four times a week. You got to be the first one there and the last one to leave at the wrestling school or wherever you're training. You have to get as many reps as you can to cut, to, to hone your craft to, and to, own it in the ring so it's it's tough and it's not easy you know if it was easy everyone would be doing it people that have families uh you're on the road a lot you're away from them a lot so there these are some sacrifices that you have to make me uh, you know 
I was the only child, so I didn't have any brothers or sisters. So I'm okay being alone. I'm okay traveling. I love traveling. Uh, I always say organization is the key to success. So as long as I'm organized, I'm good. I love traveling. So it, it's a tough business. It's not, it's not for everyone. But there's opportunity, unlike before, when guys had to be six foot five, 300 pounds. That's not the case anymore. WWE and beyond, they look for people of all different sizes and shapes and ethnicities and all that other good stuff. So um, there's opportunity for everyone right now. And I encourage everyone, if this is something that you want to do, uh, it's tough and you got to be unique. You got to be, you, uh, you got to have some screws loose in your head to do what we do. But, you know, it brings me great joy. It brings me great joy to not only share my story, but I say it all the time. My fight is much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside of the ring, fighting bigotry and hatred and trying to be the voice of the voiceless when it comes to uh, anyone that gets bullied in the silence, you might get bullied into silence. I might get bullied into silence. We got to be there for one another. So, yeah, my fight's much more bigger than in the ring right now. 20 years in the game, it's much more bigger now. I'm fighting for more than just championships. Awesome to hear, Fred. Awesome to hear. And uh, th there is a moment, this this joyous moment in time, May 2009, you get signed to the, the developmental deal for SCW. How did that make you feel to get to this point? Uh, it, it was, it was an incredible moment for me. It was something I worked for, uh, for so many years. I was told no so many times, and this was a tryout that I paid for. I had to pay money to try out. Like I said, back in my day, I had to pay. Nowadays, guys uh, get invited to, uh, the performance center and that's a great thing. But I was happy. I achieved my dreams and I was ready to move to Tampa, Florida. And um, I always say the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So I have reached the top of the mountain. Now I'm at the bottom of the next, which was WWE. So I've got to keep climbing and keep growing. And that's what I've done. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and uh, you're on this first season of NXT, which is completely different. If I'm sure people out there remember what that version of NXT was like. Uh, um, how did you enjoy that kind of experience? Because it seemed like it was, you never knew what was going to happen next uh, with each episode of that show. And how did you enjoy working with CM Punk? Um, the first season of NXT, I say it all the time. Uh, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. It was, uh, it was a corny game show. Yeah. I always say if I wanted to do American Gladiators or American Ninja Warrior, I would have signed up for that. I didn't sign up to do obstacles and juggle and just expose myself. Not very talented at juggling. So I feel like that season of NXT with the game show, it took me that much longer to connect with the crowd because if you see me juggling and I'm failing, you're, gonna, you're not going to take me seriously. In anything I do, it's going to take a long time, a long, long time. And I was exposed. So I wish I would have debuted on how it is now, NXT or with AEW here. But I'm very, very appreciative to my journey. You know, I say it all the time. You can't have a testimony without a test. And 
I've had many tests and I have my testimony that I can talk about it with you. Yeah, cool. And uh, I guess they make CM Punk your mentor. Is that what they, that's what it was back then. It's like the, a rookie with a mentor, right? Uh, so speaking of mentors, like as you start to like move into the actual WWE and not just in FCW, was there anyone, you know, aside from like a Shad who kind of, uh, maybe took you under their wing or, you know, mentored you in the business? Uh, deeper into my career, it, it, it would have, deeper into my career with WWE, it would have been um, Mark Henry, Sheamus, Titus, the uh, Usos, uh, Primo and Epico, uh, Sin Cara, the second one. Uh, man. Uh, those guys, those guys made it a lot easier for me to walk into a locker room, especially when I came out publicly. You know, I hadn't said two words to Randy Orton before I came out, but once I came out publicly to the world, um, he was so cool, still cool to this day, still checks up on me. And you wouldn't think that that guys like Randy Orton and Fred Ross or Darren Young would have a cool relationship, but yeah, people do people do have really cool relationships that you wouldn't expect have cool relationships. So um, I'm very appreciative to all my memories inside of the ring, but outside of the ring, uh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. But you spoke about CM Punk uh, being my pro. Um, he, he I, I think at the time, maybe he was maybe under a lot of stress himself and um, uh, being on the road more, having to be on NXT. Uh, it was probably getting to him, so he wasn't into it. And he probably said one, a handful of words to me during during that entire season. So it was intimidating because I didn't want to ruffle ruffle any feathers, and I was new. Um, but fast forward to 2013 when I came out publicly, and he had just had his SummerSlam match with Brock Lesnar in LA at the Staples Center. And after that match he had, he came up to me in catering and he was all iced up and he told me to stand up in catering. And I stood up and he gave me a hug. And he told me uh, after I had came out on uh, television that um, if I had any issues with anyone in the locker room to let him know that he had my back. So I was like, wow. It was that minute that I realized that my store was a big deal and that um at the time he did have my back so that was that that was really cool like I said it made it a lot easier for me to compete you know coming at, coming out greatly improved my performance as an athlete and my well-being as a person so um yeah that's that's how it goes right interesting yeah I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that because uh I, I find it is it was it kind of like a weight off your shoulders once you you you, you did that you finally came out because uh, I because my brother is gay and I know for him when he came out geez it was probably the late late mid mid to late nineties so a bit more of a different time especially here in Australia mm -hmm. uh, so and I was a weight off his shoulders to finally let everyone know uh, so please tell me like how did that make you feel and and, and as you said you felt like you're a better performer once you uh you got this thing off your chest yeah um there are many reasons why i wanted to come out publicly you know with wwe i had i had i had reached 
the top of the mountain, but I also found love in Miami, you know, so I pretty much uh, sacrificed my career to inspire others to be and accept themselves. So um, there are many reasons why I made the decision to come out, but one of them was uh, having the opportunity to be able to bring my partner uh, backstage into the masculine world of professional wrestling to be able to walk him on the red carpet and be happy and be confident. And I was able to do that. And, uh, you know, being the first openly gay WWE superstar, uh, I now have a duty to instill confidence in our youth and to lead by example. And by being the first, I've paved the way for other gay athletes to come out and be themselves and not just gay athletes but anyone that gets bullied into silence you know as a kid I had a speech impediment I would stutter a lot uh, I was an overweight kid growing up but I didn't let those disabilities hold me down from achieving my dreams so uh, on top of the wrestling I speak to kids all over the world about my whole block hate campaign and the damaging effects of bullying so uh, that's that, that's where my journey continues now. Right. Awesome. Inspiring stuff, Fred. And uh, I know you probably get asked about this like all the time, but uh, Nexus, the formation mm -hmm. of Nexus and all of that thing that this group, I mean, you must've been thinking when this idea comes about and it's this, this great group of guys, um, you must've been excited that, you know, week after week, this thing is like one of the main things on television. Uh, uh, just from, you know, your experience, how did that, how did that make you feel to be like in the number one story in the number one company in the world? Again, it was an awesome spot to be in, but personally I was dealing with demons personally, you know, I wasn't comfortable with myself. So when you're amongst these seven guys, um, it's it, um it's very um it's very I want this I want that I want this I want that and I'm and I'm very calm cool and collected very very passive aggressive I guess uh so I don't want to step on any toes but now fast forward to over ten years after doing the Nexus uh I'm more I'm more me and not only am I more me I'm more myself with New Japan uh. Uh, I was more myself when I came out publicly, but I wasn't myself when I was with um, the Nexus. Again, um, uh, I, I was a part of history and it's something that I'm very grateful for. I always say on social media or even in interviews like this that the Nexus need to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, not as old men, but as 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 veterans, as polished guys that still look good that still do what they do um yeah i'm still i'm, I'm still campaigning for a uh hall of fame induction you know i, I want to wear a ring just like titus my, my partner titus got a, a hall of fame ring the warrior award i said it's time for me to get one i agree bro i think the next is everyone will always remember that group uh, and I remember one moment during that run, uh, there was something between you and John Cena taking place. And who was the first person to, or did any, who was the first person to notice that you and John looked pretty similar in the face? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I found that to be quite humorous. Yeah. I don't remember the exact person, but however it came about, 
Michael Tarver from the Nexus. He would call my chin. I have the All-American chin. Uh, and I don't know how that came about, me being the Black John Cena, but it's funny. Um, uh, New Japan Strong is doing a show in New York, a Halloween show, and um, thinking about dressing up as the Black John. No, wait, wait. No, yeah, the Black John Cena. So we'll see. So we'll see how that goes at a New Japan Strong show. Um, I'm still thinking about it. Um, but nothing came out of it storyline wise, maybe some interview stuff, but, um, yeah, I think that's what I might be for, um, Halloween, the black John Cena, but it's going to be my own way, you know, my own way, my own version of it. So we'll see if I do it or not. I'd have to shave the goatee off too, so I can have that pronounced chin like him. So I think that's what I'm going to be. <laughs> that sounds a bit of fun, bro. Um, yeah. so I, I, I've got to talk to you about Titus, primetime players. This is another big portion of your career. Um, you know, what did you first think of Titus when you met him? And, and what are some of your fondest memories that you have working closely with this guy? Yeah, when I first met Titus, I met him at Florida Championship Wrestling. Before the Performance Center in Orlando, it was Tampa, Florida. And I was already at the the Florida Championship Wrestling for a couple of months until big old Titus, that is Bullard, walks into the door and two weeks into his training, he, he was signed immediately. Um, two weeks into his training, though, he had gotten into a little scuffle with one of the veteran wrestlers because one of the veteran wrestlers was kind of hazing this one kid and Titus, Titus was blocking the hate then, you know, and Titus had said something to the veteran wrestler about, hey, you need to, um, you know, stop, stop, you know, stop hazing the kid, you know, and then the veteran wrestler and Titus got into a scuffle two weeks into, into Titus's training. And I said to myself, mm, I'm going to stay far, far, far away from him because he is trouble. Uh, fast forward to him heavy into his training and he was frustrated because a lot of people didn't want to work with him uh, because one, he was uh, not out of the independent wrestling scene. He was out of football. So a lot of, a lot of animosity. And I said, Titus, the same people that are shitting on you are going to be kissing your booty. Uh, Got to try to keep it kayfabe. Um, uh, but um yeah, he was, um, I told him, they're going to be kissing your butt. And years later, that that's exactly what they are. So I always, I always tell him he learned a lot from me and I learned a lot from him. What I learned from him was closed mouths don't get fed. You know, the most intimidating thing at the time when Vince McMahon was running the entire show, the most intimidating thing about Vince McMahon is his office door because you know, you're scared to walk in, you're scared to give him ideas. But once you walk in, the sky's the limit. And Titus didn't hesitate uh, when we were doing primetime players. And Vince was the guy that actually put us together because he saw a liking in it. He saw a liking in us. It's like a lot of the times what you see on TV in all actuality, it's, it's, it's came about backstage, you know. So Vince saw a liking in Titus and I put us together. John Laurinaitis had signed us to SmackDown and 
we were rocking and rolling. But that's the one thing I learned from Titus about closed mouths don't get fed. You gotta you gotta speak up. Awesome, awesome. It's it's funny how it went from him. You know, I want to stay away from that guy, and like he ends up being like the nicest human being of all time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. And he's doing great. A lot of people say, uh, uh, do you still stay in contact? I said, yeah, why wouldn't we? Um, he's doing his thing as a WWE global ambassador. I'm still doing my thing with New Japan Strong as a strong open weight champion. So, yeah, I'm happy awesome. for him. That's good. And, and we will get to talk a little bit about uh, some NJ NJPW Strong very soon because I know that's what – you're sinking your teeth into these days right now, Fred. Uh, but I, I I did have a couple more questions about Titus mm -hmm. and the primetime players uh, getting to become WWE Tag Team Champions. I'm sure you get asked about this all the time. 14th of June, 2015. This must have been a very special day for you and your friend. Oh, yeah. When we won the tag titles, I believe. Yeah. Um, I always say, um, uh, you know, I've won two major titles in my career, um, the WWE Tag Team titles and the Strong Openweight Championship. So um, I hold them near and dear to me. I remember them because they're my first, you know, uh, but it was my first first major tag team championship. And uh, I did it with Titus. And it was a moment that I'll never forget because um, uh, it's something that I I. I I didn't hope for, I just, I just wanted to wrestle, man. You know, I just wanted to be out there in front of large crowds and, and, uh, and work on my skills and be the best I could. I never wor worried about championships, but to be able to hold the title and represent the WWE and do media uh, for, for them. Um, I can only imagine how it is. I've already imagined how it is for, guys that hold titles they've got so much responsibility and i loved every minute of it i loved every minute of it and um yeah never say never because there's so much going on with wrestling uh you never know a return to wwe could happen but i'm happy where i'm at with new japan strong that's cool and and i want to ask another question about titus before moving on mm -hmm. uh what did you think about when he uh was running to the ring to enter the rumble and yeah you know a lot of, a lot of people ask me that question and i said first of all i'm glad he's okay because there there's bars under the ring so if if he would have uh if he would have slid uh further right he could have decapitated himself on one of the metal bars underneath the ring so I said to myself that if that was me falling, I would have seriously hurt myself because that's just that's just who I am. But I said, I hope he's okay. But I said, man, the same people that are laughing at him and making fun of him, man, that he's gonna be laughing to the bank. And the next day he was because they had shirts made, uh, <laughs> world something, something, something slide, world's longest slide or something, and. He had merchandise made, so uh, he's laughing to the bank, I, I, I tell people. But, yeah, if that was me, my head would have been cut off. Yeah, I remember thinking that, too, because I've seen the un underneath of a ring before as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like that was very, very lucky. Um, but, Titus, but Titus is a big guy. He's 6'6", 2'7", 6'4", 6'6", I don't know. But he, he I mean, he's a horse. He's a horse. So just imagine a horse tripping over 
uh, their feet and then, then plowing into something. He's a big dude. Exactly. And uh, I got to ask about this because I always found this to be a really weird thing. Uh, obviously, you are uh, being paired with Bob Backlund. Uh, did you ever get told about the, you know, what the trajectory was going to be with this run with Bob, uh, what it might lead to? Uh, and, and, you know, how did you feel about that whole angle? Well, it was actually my idea because I had done autograph signings with Bob Backlund. I had worked with him um, for uh, the Special Olympics uh, that deals with the handicapped kids. So I had I, I've done many autograph signings with him. And the one thing about Bob and me is I like to do my autographs signing standing up. He likes to do his signing standing up. He's very he's very energetic i'm very calm cool and collected the way i'm talking to you now is how i would talk to you at at a meet and greet but bob is in your face he's he's in your face and i said to myself man you know tag teams don't last forever you you always have to be thinking about what your next move is make your next move your best move so once i was done teaming with titus we broke up uh, i was on my own i always said to myself and i had the back of my head so I want Bob Backlund to be somewhat like, not not really like my manager because WWE isn't doing managers really, but I want him to be like my life coach, you know, someone that is like just preaching, preaching the word to me. And um, what I did was I wrote it out, ideas, and, um, and I took a lot of the ideas from Mike Tyson, his former trainer, Casamato, uh it's just like strange bedfellows you know mike was just mike was his killer so i envisioned myself as his killer fighter uh and 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 um my my trainer bob backland was very um a, a hard worker and make darren young great again is how it all took off you know the wwe team got my ideas and we and we ran with it you know and it started sometimes on throwback throwback thursday or flashback friday i'll throw back some videos of my last feud in wwe was against the miz and the miz was really rooting for me to win the intercontinental championship from him but i always like to throw back stuff um of the reaction of the fans finally getting behind me because i say it all the time you know i did my thing as a nexus member I did my thing as a tag team wrestler, but this was like my first opportunity as a singles championship uh, wrestler to to win a major title. And and the fans are rooting for me and behind me, but unfortunately it didn't happen. It's just unfortunate that, um, you know, people may not have your back because it's not their idea when it comes to the writing team, but that's that's business. So. It is what it is. So yeah, I tell people all the time. People think it was was it your idea to do Bob Backlund? I said, yep, yeah, it was my idea to team with Bob Backlund. So yeah, that's cool. And uh, uh, I don't know. I was always just uh, wondering about that. And uh, so, do do you really feel like uh, maybe you didn't get to the maybe the push that the that the story that had been pitched because it was your idea and not the creative team's idea? Yeah, it's it's tough because back in the 80s, it was like Vincent Mann and Pat Patterson and maybe one other person handling business. But nowadays you have 
uh, now Triple H and his team of people of 10, 11, 12, 15, army of people. So a lot of stuff has to go through many, many hands. So if someone doesn't like you, if someone isn't feeling it, um, yeah, it's it's your word against uh, the masses that work with WWE. So yeah, you just have to play play your cards right and and do your best. Do your best. Um, so uh, soon after all of this, uh, you get released in 2017. How did you find out? What was your first step or decision you made once you had left the company? And did it take any kind of toll on you mentally? Um, uh, you know, you have this dream. You, you've you've, you've uh, achieved so many different things during having this dream. And now it's gone and you have to reset almost. Yeah. Um nothing lasts forever and i'd be lying to you if i told you it didn't bother me uh because i was doing media i remember like it was yesterday i was doing media it was me ms uh enzo uh in los angeles at a la clippers game doing media and this was on a saturday everything was great got home saturday night sunday morning i got a phone call that i was released and uh, the guy that released me said it was probably the hardest phone call that he had to make um, because, like, I had did nothing wrong. But, you know, I say it all the time. I don't compare myself to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan can't play basketball forever. So uh, my career with, with, with WWE as an active competitor um, is over at the moment. Uh, there's always... Um, again, people come and go, people come and go. And since my release, I've done work with WWE, um, with the video games, I've done stuff with, uh, their show, the bump. So I still have a working relationship with them, but it didn't stop me. Uh, I said to myself, you're not going to pull the plug on me and tell me it's over. And that's why I'm with new Japan doing my thing. Um, so, yeah, after the release, yeah, I was upset, but, you know, you just got to brush it off and keep going. You know, I have so much left to offer, so much left in the tank. And, um, yeah, I did some independence here and there, but very, very limited. I had already moved out to Los Angeles to pursue acting and commercials. And I say it all the time, just because moves aren't being announced doesn't mean moves aren't being made. So still grinding away. My social media is an open diary to the world. So anything I post is what I'm doing, whether it's in the ring or whether it's speaking to kids about bullying or whether it's on a Broadway stage. I'm always posting on my open diary, my social media. Very cool. And another thing I wanted to ask about is uh, how do you go about, how, or how did you go about figuring out how to reinvent yourself at, at that point in 2017? Like thinking, okay, I'm not going to be Darren Young anymore. I'm going to be Fred Rosser. And you got to, you got to think of, you know, hey, you're going to, your plan of attack, I suppose, uh, of, uh, you know, because now you're pretty much looking after yourself and, and your trajectory in the wrestling business. What were your first thoughts and how you're going to reinvent yourself? Well, pretty much everything I've built with uh, WWE, uh, pre-WWE and post-WWE, everything I've learned, 
uh, I say WWE was like uh, college that I graduated. And after I graduated WWE, now I can go out into the world and do so much. I've got to grind. I've got to hustle. I've got to reach out. I've got to make phone calls on, on my own. I don't have someone in WWE doing the work for me. Um, I've got to grind. So I'm not unfamiliar with the grind. Um, working with organizations outside of WWE, you know, com coming to the building early, helping the younger talent that's at shows, that's very meaningful to me. People see that. People say, wow, he's really, he's really, I'm giving back. You know what I mean? Because I know why I'm here. Uh, I, I'm here to motivate and inspire and educate the masses that look up to me on social media uh, for, for, for motivation. And at the end of the day, whether it's on my social media, WWE television, New Japan uh, television, I want them to see me on the television and if they identify with me and say, well, if he can do it, so can I. So I just want to be an inspiration to someone that's looking to getting, get into wrestling or someone that's just looking, look, you know, I look up to the rock, you know, Tom Hanks, Matthew McConaughey. Those are some of my inspirations on social media that I gravitate towards too. So I just know how it is, how someone can gravitate towards me. Very cool. And uh, you, you're working with New Japan at the moment. So this must have been, uh, you know, pretty exciting uh, opportunity and being on NJPW Strong. Now you're the open weight champion. Uh, how do you feel uh, your perception has been now going from like something like WWE and then something that's very like wrestling uh, centric like New Japan? And it's a lot of it's about the in-ring stuff. How do you feel that's been working for you? Uh, well, you talked earlier about, uh, you know, reinventing yourself. For me, I didn't do anything different. Um, I, I train different when it comes to the weights because I'm a little bit older now, um, a, a little bit beat up, but who cares? You know, no one cares. about uh, 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 You don't care about me being beat up. You know, uh, you care about me performing and that's all that matters. So it's very important that I take care of my body and do yoga because your body is what makes you money. Uh, and with New Japan and the style, I was always intimidated in the style because it's fighting spirit like no other. So I pretty much did two things. I would pray and I would study. I would pray and I'd study. And people, people, people pray in different ways, but for me, I would pray for healing for myself, pray for health health as well. I would pray to have good performances, uh, pray to good have responses with the crowd. Um, and it, it all worked out for me for the better. I remember September 2019, I ran into a show with Lance Hoyt and he was, and he was with New Japan and he told me, um, Hey man, you should you should come, you should come to a New Japan show uh, in November of 2019 that they're having at the Globe Theater in Los Angeles. Because I told Lance, I said, Lance, I'm doing great, but I've always had dreams and aspirations of working with New Japan. So, New Japan show November 2019 when uh, Lance Hoyt had invited me to a New Japan show, I checked it out, and after it was all said and done. 
watching this show as a fan, I said to myself, I can hang with these guys. You're not going to pull the plug on me and tell me it's over. And then that's when I uh, reached out to New Japan about working. And then the pandemic hit in 2020. And it was, um, it was my family that blessed me with the opportunity that said, go for it. You know, it looks like that they're following the safety protocols. Um, so with my family's blessing, I reached out to New Japan. I said, let's do it. And I started working in front of crowds, uh, arenas with no crowds. So people said, was it difficult? I said, no, it wasn't difficult for me because my issue was with my opponent and the cameras, you know, trying to be able to create the best message that people can watch through the big screen and I was able to do that. I've been doing some of my best work with New Japan and I'm just grateful, grateful for, grateful for the opportunity that, that they've given me now that I'm the strong open weight champion. Absolutely. I think you're doing great work at the moment. I, I watched a, a couple of things earlier uh, before we had conducted this interview and I was like, <clears throat> uh, this Fred Ross is, he, you know, he, he's stepped it up a notch. He stepped it up a level. I'm telling you right here, right now. Uh, AEW is another one that we you'd mentioned a little bit earlier. You said that they uh, knocked you back twice. I don't understand why. Do you have a re were you given a reason why they weren't interested in having you come on board? Yeah, well, this is when they had first, like, I'm sure everyone was blowing them up. So uh, I think I was probably in that mix where, you know, people were reaching out to whoever they could reach out to and, a lot of yeses and a lot of no's. Uh, and I think I was maybe just one of those. Uh, we don't have anything for you. So again, there's so much opportunity out there. I didn't stop. I knew my goal was New Japan. So I pursued them like crazy. And uh, I, I have to I have to say that staying in my lane works best for me. Um, because, and I tell people all the time, stay in your lane, because when you stay in your lane, no one can beat you in it if you just stay in it. So, um, that's what I'm doing. I say I'm the heart and soul of New Japan. New Japan's strong. So, uh, I, I just got to keep going. Absolutely. And uh, another question I had before, as we're getting very close to the end here, Fred, uh, and mm -hmm. I appreciate your time, but what else do you hope to achieve in the wrestling business? Uh, you know, longevity, you know, September 11th, 2002 has been 20 years I've been wrestling, you know, and time isn't on our side. It's not, you know, time doesn't like us. So if I've got to do something, I've got to do it now. And I think the reason why people are so, so down and depressed in this world is because they're not doing what they love. They're doing what they have to. And I think that's what the work world and the workforce do. It steals dreams. It just steals them. So when people are out here making moves like yourself, like, like me, uh, when people are out here making moves, those people are extraordinary because one, I made a decision, they made a decision that they're not doing anything else but their love, you know, but their gift, no matter if they don't get paid for it or not. And um, there are people out there that will, will sit back and do someone else's dreams and come home at night and expect to feel fulfilled 
But for me, when you do what you love and you work on your gift, you know, for me, even the days I'm not paid, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time because I'm doing something I love, you know? And I think if you do something you love, uh, that saying you'll never work a day in your life. So I'm not working right now. I'm, I'm not working. Absolutely not. I, I, I'm having fun, you know? That's good to hear. And, uh, Be- uh, I just, I just feel it's yeah. That's a really important message, you know. To to because when you, I've spent so much time in my life doing things that I didn't, I don't want to do, but I have to do mm-hmm. it in order to get by, and it does get yeah, me well, depressed, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, how old are you? I'm 35. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were younger than that. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'll be 39 soon. But yeah, um, I I always say health is wealth. I don't know if you work out, but health is wealth. Yeah, I probably need to start working out a bit more. Uh, but <laughs> but then again, I always say I've got to, I've got to quit. I'm going to quit smoking soon. I've got, I've got to quit smoking. So, one thing at a time. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yes. Uh, Fred, I want to give you this opportunity to plug everything going on right now uh, with you and where people can find you uh, before we get to our final segment here of the show. So please tell everyone a little bit more about block the hate and also where they can find you. Yeah. You know, earlier I said uh, my social media is an open diary to the world and my fight is really much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside of the ring fighting bigotry and hatred and being the voice of the voices when it comes to, uh, the LGBTQ community or anyone that gets bullied in the silence. That's why my whole block the hate movement uh, before the pandemic, during the pandemic and after pandemic is still running wild. Uh, I talk to kids in person and virtually all over the world about the damaging effects of bullying and the block the hate movement's motto um, is in this world, we all receive hate for various reasons, but in order to be strong and successful, we got to block the hate. So at the end of the day, I want this this movement, this block the hate to be the next middle finger. You tell me I can't achieve my dreams. Well, you know what? Block the hate. So um, it's a movement that uh, is universal. So I appreciate um, all the interviews that I've done, all the support that people have, have given me and I've given back, you know, uh, it's almost like help me help you, you know, so you help me and in return, I help you by doing the best I can to give you a great interview and for me to keep rocking and rolling with my whole block to hate movement. So my social media, Twitter, Instagram, at real Fred Rosser, my real name, my government name, not not Darren Young, Twitter, Instagram, at real Fred Rosser and hashtag block the hate. Um, it's a universal movement. Uh, join me because none of us are as strong as all of us. So there you have it. Very cool. And everyone out there, when this goes on YouTube, in the description down there, uh, all the links to find Fred on social media and, of course, uh, a link for uh, you to be able to donate to the Block the Hate movement. Excellent stuff, Fred. We're getting to our final segment here of the show. It's to find out about your favorite things in life. The first three about wrestling, then we can stop talking about wrestling and we can talk about some other things that are your favorites. First one, Fred, who was your favorite professional wrestler of all time? Kurt Angle. Excellent choice. Uh, Do you have uh, someone that you would say would be your favorite opponent that you ever had? 
uh, Claudio, uh, Cesaro, or Brody Lee. Very good. Uh, excellent choices there. Again, uh, is, if there's one match from your 20-year career that you could pick as your favorite one, what would you pick? Uh, my title match with Tom Lawler in Philadelphia for the Strong Openweight Championship. Uh, my proudest moment. Um, the reaction is something I've never heard before. Um, it was like a roar. Like the people were really like roar, happy for me to win. So that was probably my proudest moment. Uh, my 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 most favorite match, uh, winning the strong open weight title. Excellent. Getting away from wrestling now, Fred. Do you have a favorite book? Favorite book. Um. Do I have a favorite book? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. That's okay. Not a problem. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? I still love uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> do, do, do you remember Saved by the Bell or no? <laughs> yeah, I loved Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah, Saved by the Bell was, was my favorite show. Um uh, yeah, I mean, it could be uh, a past show or a present show I watch, but when someone asks me my favorite show, it's it's been for years, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Excellent choice. Uh, do you have a favorite film? Favorite film? Yeah. Um, mm, yeah, I'd probably have to say maybe Home Alone uh just randomly home alone you know i'm big into uh documentaries so i'm uh, i'm big into like crime scene documentaries and all that other stuff like you know uh investigation shows and stuff like that i'm really into that like the um what's the one uh uh, uh i'm having a brain fart but there's a documentary out on netflix oh jeffrey dahmer like as as, <laughs> as as disturbing like as that is it's something that like you like want to know why that person did what he did or just like it's just very very disturbing stuff that i find very intriguing yeah i'm the same i've been watching that as well it's it is it is interesting stuff for sure um uh moving away from film and tv now do you have a favorite musical artist or band uh, I always loved Michael Jackson. Uh, I'm a big R&B. I'm, I'm a big R&B head. I, I always say there's a time and a place for the hippity hoppity hip hop. Uh, but I'm a relaxing R&B music. I can listen to it when I'm working out. I can listen to it before matches, especially the calm before the storm, because it's a complete 180 for me. Uh, I'm very calm like I am here, but you go to my Instagram and see my wrestling stuff. I'm like a pit bull off the pitbull off the leash so the dichotomy in me is incredible very cool uh getting away from the arts now do you have a favorite food favorite food i love uh well uh i love sushi just last night um after one of my shows i had wendy's so that was like my cheat like that's like my cheat i i, I love wendy's um but sushi is my go-to favorite food 
Very nice. We get that one quite a lot on the show. Uh, this next one, favorite place to eat on the road? Uh, favorite place to eat on the road? I hop. I hop because it, it's just uh, it's just easy. I hop or Denny's uh, here in the states. Uh, it's just easy to um, to uh, order stuff for my diet. And again, I, I hate using the word diet because it has the word die in it. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a few technical difficulties right at the end there uh, with my interview with Mr. Fred Rosser, the NJPW Strong Open Weight Champion. I want to thank Fred so much for his time on the Insider's Edge podcast. It was really fun having the opportunity to learn about his journey in the professional wrestling business and and uh, you know all the times that he had been knocked back and knocked back and knocked back when finally he was able to achieve his dreams really really inspiring stuff so thank you again fred and thank all of you out there for checking out the insider's edge podcast here on the wcwa network i'm california and i will see you down the road thank you